Welcome to the Travel Pulse Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Bowman, the executive editor of TravelPulse.com. Today is Tuesday, August 17th. Happy Travel Tuesday out there, everyone. Coming up on the show today, as we always do, we'll talk what's been trending in the travel industry, including some major industry news and some destination updates. But before I bring on today's guest, though, I want to ask you, is there a company that has exceeded your expectations, that has just done tremendous and you want to show them love? Perhaps they deserve an award? Well, you can vote for them over at TraviAwards.com. Voting ends August 31st, so be sure to head over there and give votes and, and give love to the companies that have stuck through you and, and been by your side over this last year. That's TraviAwards.com. And joining me on the show now is Terry Dale, United States Tour Operators Association President and CEO. Welcome to the show once again, Terry. Thank you for joining. Tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Well, thank you, Eric, for having me back. It's good to be here. So uh, first of all, I've been with USQA now for over a decade, which kind of boggles my mind. And we are about to celebrate our 50th anniversary next year in 2022. So we're excited about our history and our future coming out of this pandemic. This transition obviously is challenging, um, but our members remain optimistic about the resumption of travel, even though it still is bumpy day by day. But uh, we see the light at the end of the tunnel and happy to talk with you about it further. Wonderful. Yeah. So Terry and I are going to talk about the changing travel landscape as well as the latest among tour operators. Um, we'll get to more of a Q&A later in, in the show. But first, as we do for every show, in case this is your first time listening, let's dive into what's been trending in the world of travel in the last week. And we begin with some major industry news as late Sunday, uh, Hyatt announced that it is uh, acquiring Apple Leisure Group for a cash amount of $2.7 billion dollars. A lot of money there. Uh, it's going to be doubling the global resort's footprint there. Uh, Hyatt leadership has said that ALG will operate as a separate unit uh, with the entire ALG team to remain intact. So, Terry, what are your thoughts on this big industry news? Well, you know, that's a lot to digest, obviously. But I think there are some real indicators here in that a major corporation like Hyatt is looking at one of our stakeholders, a uh, major stakeholder, Apple Leisure Group, uh, to acquire. And what it means to me is they recognize the role that leisure travel is going to play, not only in the short-term recovery, but in the long-term um, Hyatt brand uh, and market building. So I think it, it, it bodes well for both, um, certainly from our member perspective, uh, from a hotel company like Hyatt. Uh, so I, I think it, it tells us about the future. And uh, I, I don't think uh, this will be the last. I think we'll see other kind of acquisitions like this take place in the future. But I, I do feel more confident than ever that people recognize the role of leisure, group, uh, FIT, of which our members are focused on and uh, how significant that is uh, for the short and long term. 
Yeah, it's definitely a big move and it surprised a lot of people. I've, I've uh, talked to a few travel advisors about this and there have been some mixed feelings. Some are excited about this as they love working with these brands. Others have cautioned excitement because they feel that it could lose bookings to like direct channels, you know, more people booking direct with the hotel instead of an advisor as Hyatt and ALG have a large member base and loyalty rewards. Um, a few advisors did mention though that they really hope this move cuts down on like hold times and com- maybe combining call centers uh, to let advisors get back to selling, less time waiting on calls. So maybe they'll co-brand uh, AMR Collection, but like as AMR Collection by Hyatt. Or it would be interesting to see what goes on with all-inclusive uh, side of things too, because that is a big portfolio um, that they have. So it certainly be interesting in that. Yeah, I, I think the efficiency in which we're able to jointly serve our customers will improve. And, you know, at USQA, uh, including Apple Leisure Group, who has focused such um, attention and importance on the travel advisor, I don't see their role being diminished uh, through this acquisition. So I, I think that, um, of course, there's always uncertainty and uneasiness in an acquisition of this size and magnitude. But I think at the end of the day, it's all going to be good. And um, we are not going to lose sight of our bread and butter. And that's the travel advisor. And I think this will not diminish that role whatsoever. And I think our ability to accommodate our joint customer uh, will be enhanced. That's great. Yeah, I think a lot of advisors listening right now um, certainly are going to love to hear that. So advisors listening, if you have thoughts, um, podcast at travelpulse.com is the email to reach out. Let me know your thoughts in this big industry news. And uh, if you care to play uh, predictor, if you have any other uh, predictions on what uh, future acquisitions might happen, uh, I would love to hear your thoughts on that too, just because I'm intrigued by all of that. Um, and I mean, I think when, you know, this time last year, August of 2020, the pandemic had been going on for a few months. We had a pretty low summer and there was talks about, you know, well, this airline might acquire this one or this company might do this. And it was kind of all wondering well, what's going to happen in the acquisition world of things. And, and now we're seeing a pretty big one here. Yeah. The one thing I can predict is that Terry Dale does not know <laughs> what the world of acquisition is going to be like. So I, it wouldn't surprise me if there were other acquisitions, maybe not of this magnitude, yeah, but this, yeah. uh, continuing to see consolidation uh, will happen in, in the near future. But beyond that, I would be um, not smart <laughs> to try and predict. Yeah, that, yeah, that's a it's a tough realm to to do things. I, I get prediction yeah. stuff from from travel advisor listeners um, for, from time to time. So I was just to see yeah. what the listeners yeah. want to say. So I hear from them. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know that there'll be another one of, of this size for um, like an immediate future or anything. I think people are going to want to see how this plays out and then kind of go along from there. So. Eric, I I have to tell you. I think of funny stories. So I just got back from Croatia oh, awesome. uh, early this morning. And when I was over there, I don't know, 48 hours ago or 24 hours ago, it was like, I don't know, two in the morning and my phone rings with somebody telling me about, you know, the Hyatt um, goal yeah. of acquiring Apple Leisure Group. And so, um, that's how big it is. And of course they didn't know I was in Croatia and it didn't matter, but you know, it was like, 
immediately the yeah. word was out there and uh it's big yeah that's pretty cool well, um thank you for for an even bigger thank you for taking time to jump on the podcast today to talk some travel as you just got back from croatia um croatia is a destination that has been open for a while um transitioning over to destination news and what's been trending there. More and more popular destinations are reinstating travel restrictions. Canada, Bahamas, Puerto Rico, Jamaica, Turks and Caicos, Germany, and here in the U.S., Hawaii, San Francisco, New Orleans are just a few of the places that have either adjusted entry requirements or adding uh, proof of vaccination requirements to uh, show. So with these returning restrictions and the rise of the Delta variant, you know, it does have some travelers concerned and many are wondering, you know, should they cancel trips? You yourself have just come back from a uh, cross uh, the world trip there, um, a very long haul flight, I imagine. So, Terry, I mean, yeah. how do you think travelers and travel advisors should could handle things among this um, well, confusion right now? I think, uh, first of all, what we're going through elevates the value proposition of the travel advisor and the tour operator. And if you're working with partners that you trust, they're going to give you the right information. They're not going to steer you wrong. We're not going to take you to a destination that we think ultimately uh, may be challenging for whatever the new requirements are. So if you're working with the right partners, you should have the confidence in moving forward. And, you know, obviously we, we have to monitor this every single day. Um, but, when you've got that travel advisor who's monitoring on your behalf, they're not going to steer you wrong. So I think the consumer can travel and many are, I have to tell you once I was double vaccinated back in March, I have been to Istanbul, Amsterdam, Croatia, San Francisco, New York, Miami. All of the airports are full. All of the, Flights have been full. People want to travel. And in order to give them that confidence, it's the travel advisor and the tour operator who is helping them navigate through this ever-changing landscape. So I, I think, you know, if you have confidence in who you're working with and partnering with, then you should move forward with your plans. Um, and, and that's... Uh, the short and simple of it. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you all the way there. I think that is great advice. You know, as long as, there's there's always a risk to traveling. You know, and obviously this last year always. is is a higher risk than than ever before. But you know, there's there's a risk when you walk out your front door. If you walk down the street, there's a, there's risks in everything in life. So you just kind of have to assess yeah. what are you comfortable yeah. with. And and I think you hit the nail yeah. on the head there of you know working with that advisor is going to help guide you in the direction of okay what what do i feel comfortable with traveling and where and everything so i mean we are seeing yeah. some travel numbers decline so i think that is causing concern by by some people but i also kind of think that's you know the time of the year too summer is winding down some kids are back at school in some areas uh, but labor day is, is is on the horizon and it's still expected to produce strong travel numbers a recent survey just came out from the vacationer um that they're projecting labor day is actually going to be higher number of travelers than the fourth of july period so you know it's not all doom and gloom um Allianz is also forecasting uh, traveler confidence, the remaining high. They say uh, a recent survey from Allianz says that 66% of their customers anticipate traveling in the next three months, which is up from 22% back when they ran that same 
um, survey and research in February, uh, trying to yeah. forecast spring. So people, uh, uh, people are, yeah, are, are getting out there. It's certainly a good sign. Yeah. Yeah. People want to travel and they are going to travel. They're going to figure it out with the right counsel from the travel advisor and they will go. Now that doesn't mean they might shift their plans. Maybe they were going destination A and then go to destination B instead but I think they're still going to ultimately travel. And that's good for both the travel advisor, the tour operator, and our industry. But the one thing that we've all got to be is flexible because the landscape changes by the hour, as we know. But you can travel safely, um, but just make sure you're equipped with the, the right partners and having that travel advisor is key. Definitely, yes. Uh, safe travel can be done. Uh, Terry is an example yeah. of that. He's been traveling internationally multiple places, as you just said. I myself have been uh, traveling a lot this, this year, too. I've got a European river cruise coming up in a couple weeks, uh, provided the EU hey. doesn't do any um, setbacks there. But um, <laughs> speaking of cruising, that is that is an area that you have to be flexible in. If you are a hardcore cruiser or a casual cruiser and you want to do any cruising anytime soon, um, What's trending over in the cruise section of the world, um, Norwegian Cruise Line's uh, CEO said that the Florida vaccine mandate appeal is shameful, and he says that our leadership has failed us. Um, that was the quotes he was telling Yahoo Finance um, over and his reaction to how Florida has handled all that CDC stuff. Meanwhile, last week, uh, 27 people did test positive on the Carnival Vista. Uh, it's actually 26 crew members, though, and only one passenger. It is the highest total COVID cases on a ship sailing from the U.S. ports uh, since since sailing from U.S. ports were allowed to take place. So, Terry, is this, um, I know you have a cruise experience, you know, being working for CLIA in the past. So, is it cause for concern with the cruise industry here, or uh, is it a sign of the protocols working? You know, I don't think it's a sign of concern. You know, having spent almost 10 years as CEO of CLIA and seeing firsthand how seriously and methodically they take um, measures to safeguard their customer base. And so I, and also knowing the passion that uh, consumers have for cruising um, they're going to cruise and they're going to cruise in force. Um, so this is, I, I hesitate in saying an isolated incident. We will see this, but whether it's on a cruise ship or a theme park or um, a resort, we will see instances of this happening, you know, throughout this transition phase that we go through right now. So do I think it ultimately is going to do harm or damage to the cruising industry? No. Um, I, I'm sure um, we would prefer that it didn't happen, but um, it's not going to be long-term harm to the cruise industry or uh, to travel as a whole, in my opinion. Yeah, I think this is just showcasing that the protocols are working. You know, they're taking testing seriously and they, they have to. You yeah. know, they can't afford any sort of crazy outbreaks like this. So I think people see the 27 number, they, it, it alarms them because it's in the double digits and we haven't discussed that before. But when you find out it's 26 crew members and you realize that crew members are regularly tested more often, like that is going to, they're, they're going to find out. It's part of the protocols and, and that shows that that's working. So I think, 
yeah, I don't think that's a major cause for concern. I think they've already re-implemented, you know, the testing has to be done before you board as well, um, before new passengers. And it's pretty much well into the 90% of passengers that are sailing right now on cruises are vaccinated. So that is a key for them as well. Right. You're, you know, um, Eric, I, it sounds like I'm traveling all the time, but it is part of my job. Yeah. Uh, but I just got off a cruise uh, three weeks ago, and it was a smaller cruise. I think there were 140 passengers, um, but I felt totally safe and was really proud to see kind of the system working in how they took care of not only their passengers, but the crew members and the whole thing. You know, even when we stepped off the ship, they talked about, so you are in a bubble and this is our bubble and this is how we're going to take you to um, this experience off ship, but within our bubble. And I have to tell you, it was impressive. And so that's how our industry, I think, really shines in that we will go above and beyond to make sure that the customer their health and well-being and safety is first and foremost. Agreed. So yeah. I've, I've experienced it firsthand. Yeah, I was on uh, the Carnival Mardi Gras ship uh, inaugural sailing a couple weeks ago, and I felt safe as well. So I think, yeah, I yeah. Think I'm just glad that cruise ships are finally able to showcase what yeah. they can do. Just, just as you know, we saw hotels and airlines were able to react and adapt with everything last year, and then you know, cruise lines couldn't do anything at all. So I'm just glad they're able to, to move forward with that yeah. and, and people can get back to their jobs and everything. So absolutely. Yeah. So that wraps up what is trending in travel. Any additional thoughts? You can drop me an email podcast at travelpulse.com. Now we're going to transition into our theme of the week, which is the train changing travel landscape, which we've kind of touched on because the trending news is always, you know, focused on the, requirements and new entry protocols and what's uh, happening around the industry. But to dive a little deeper into that, uh, you, the travel scene feels like it is ever changing these days. So um, Terry, you touched on this a little bit, but just to give additional thoughts, you know, what are your, your, uh, your current thoughts on the state of the travel industry now as the summer winds down? Well, as summer winds down, I think um, we are pleased with how the domestic product and the inventory has done well which is not surprising because we saw that even last year. Um, a little disappointing in that we were hopeful that we might see more European travel uh, at the end of the summer, uh, leading us into the fall and winter. Still could happen, but uh, the ever-changing landscape country by country um, makes it a little challenging. I know I get um, calls and emails from friends and families who say, gosh, we see the EU has opened up for travel. And yet, while they may say that, and they have, but it's really a country by country decision as to how they open up and whether they will open up. So it's, it's confusing um, for the consumer at large. Um, so it, I don't think 2021 is going to end as robustly as, or even from a resumption of business as strong as we had originally hoped, but I will say 2022 and advanced bookings are off the chart, off the chart. 
That's great. And so, so we're, we're very optimistic about next year, um, but things are kind of playing out um, from a healthy perspective, numbers-wise, as we had hoped for 2021. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of people had diff- varying expectations for how 2021 was going to go, and could summer kind of exceeded some expectations in, in some aspect. But again, you know, you mentioned Europe and weren't wasn't able to open up as soon as a lot of us would have liked to, you know, in the industry. But you know, they're taking it as a country by country basis. But you know touring is so big in Europe and a lot of these tour operators have just recently in the last week announced that they're requiring uh, guests to be vaccinated. So vaccine, vaccine passports or showing proof that you're vaccinated to enter places. It has been a polarizing topic for a lot of people. Some people are for it. Other people are strongly against it. You should see the Facebook comments we get on stories related to that. Um, but from a business standpoint, you know, uh, for these tour operators, Terry, what do you make of this news and the requirements? I think, um, first of all, this is a business-by-business decision um, as whether they mandate that their customers um, provide proof of being fully vaccinated or whether a PCR test within 48, 72 hours, whatever the time frame is, um, before joining a tour uh, is also acceptable. So it's not something that as a trade association we can require. Uh, and and it, it is polarizing. There's no, there's no doubt about it. But I, I think that more than likely we will continue to see more companies, more USTOA members, we require vaccination in order to travel. But um, time will tell, but certainly we're seeing more and more of that. Yeah, and in talking about the the changing travel landscape here, the the vaccine obviously plays a role in that. And we've seen, you know, after the vaccines were readily available to more and more people, travel did kind of boom up in that. And and throughout the last year, you know, you touched on this briefly, but to to further discuss on it, domestic tourism has you know kind of been the focal point of travel over the last year for Americans, and um, touring the U.S. has has kind of grown as well as you as you mentioned. So, what do you think the future holds for domestic tours? Oh, I think it, it holds a lot of positive future for touring. You know, um, our national parks have always been a, a real gem for all of us. So we've been working diligently um, with the national park system about their reopening and what that means. And again, to provide a safe, secure uh, experience for not only our customers, but also the other guests at the parks. So I think um, domestic touring will (laughs) benefit um, not only in the short term, but in the long term uh, as well. And I I also want to put a plug in uh, for major urban centers uh, because we've talked a lot in the past about how people want wide open spaces and space to breathe. And I get all that. Um, But having... (laughs) been a leader at NYC and company in New York city and lived in New York city for 25 years now, there's going to still be a great demand for urban centers. And we're starting to see that, uh, come back. Um, it may take a little longer, but, um, rest assured that just domestic travel in general, whether it's in parks or in urban centers, we are going to come out of this 
as strong, if not stronger, because that's historically what we do um, in the in the future. So I, I, I don't I, I want our friends in you know Chicago and LA and New York City to know that um, we are with them and um, we're going to um, help them recover along with our, our parks and all of those um, areas that provide the wide open spaces, the sun, the beach, the sand, so on and so yeah. forth. That's fantastic. Yeah, I think initially last year when people, you discussed, you know, going and taking a trip in the U.S. and it was all about outdoors and getting that social distance and everything. But as we transition beyond this pandemic, uh, I do think, yeah, U.S. touring is, is going to grow and more than just you know, going to hit, you know, four national parks and have that be, I mean, that's still going to be a focal point for some travelers for what they want to do. But yeah, like you mentioned, the big cities and, and touring those and, and, and going through a tour to do it, to maximize your experience as opposed to trying to do it on your own and booking a couple of hotels or maybe going to see a few, you know, attractions here or there. I think there's a lot more to benefit uh, by doing it through. A tour. And I, think, I, I think the value um, that you get right now um, in a transition state like this, in an urban center, along with the fact that it's not crowded and you, you do have breathing space. So it's not a bad time to go to urban centers as well. Gotcha. Yeah. It would, it's great that you mentioned, you know, 2022 bookings are, are, are skyrocketing there. Love yeah. to hear that. Um, there's a lot of exciting things, you know, coming up. Uh, I'd registered, you guys have the annual conference at marketplace in San Diego. So I'm registered for that. I'm looking forward to, to Thank that you. to see you in person yeah. in, in December. Uh, do you want to briefly just talk about that and what to expect there and what members, um, why members should attend? You know, Eric, it's all about that personal relationship um, between the tour operator and our supplier partners. And we have not had that face-to-face -face interaction, obviously, for over 18 months. And so it's really all about the marketplace. It's all about reconnecting with your business partners from around the world. Uh, and that's what excites us. And the numbers look great. We're right-sizing it to keep it safe and healthy for everyone. So it's going to be a great experience. And let's just hope that everything plays out as we yes. hope, but yeah, to totally agree there. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's tough, tough to see, you know, that far in the future, but you know, we'd like to believe that, you know, things would be on the up and up and we could go through with that and still continue with, you know, in-person events and, and meetings like that. And, yeah. and that's a good time too, in December, as you transition to what we expect to be a really big 2022. Exactly. And our 50th anniversary. That as well. Yes. Huge, huge, huge year there, 50s. So that's, that's how we kick off our 50th is when we're together in San Diego in early December. So it's going to be great. Love it. Thank you so much for, for joining today. Any last um, comments you want to make? Any, any advice to travel advisors listening out there? I just want to say again um, how your value as a travel advisor has been elevated during this crisis. Because now more than ever, we understand why you need somebody who's looking out for your best interest and going to help you in a time of need. Hopefully you don't need that additional help. But if you do, having that travel advisor makes all the difference. So we thank you for your partnership and you're more valuable than ever today. Thank you. 100% agree. Thank you, Terry. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Eric. 
Thanks again to Terry for jumping on today's show and talking all things travel in the ever-changing landscape of the world that we're in right now. If you'd like to be on the show in the future, podcast at travelpost.com is the email. Reach out, tell me what you're all about, and we'll see if we can make it happen there. So, folks, really appreciate you listening. If you could subscribe or leave a review wherever you listen, I would greatly appreciate that. Or if you just want to, you know, talk and, and shoot the shiz, drop me an email. Thanks for listening, folks. Have a great week.